And we start a week of fragrant guests on Culture File in the company of Harold McGee. McGee has just concluded a decade-long journey into smell. His account of his travels, Nose Dive, leads us by the nose, and it's very far from the last of this week's nasal puns, from prehistoric carrion to the art of listening to smell, from chemistry to neuroscience, from flatulence to perfume. McGee has form with this kind of guide, his chunky on food and cooking did a similarly comprehensive job on things you might put in your mouth. It became the Bible for a wave of creative cooking, inspiring chefs such as Heston Blumenthal to remake their art from its ideas. And Culture File began our conversation with Harold McGee on the aftershocks his work created. One of the things about your friendship with Heston Blumenthal was that he kind of credits you with opening his eyes to how much one didn't know about food and cooking, how much you really had to do the experimental work. Yes, uh, I was thrilled for for Heston to say that, but I think what he learned from my book was, uh, as he put it, to question everything that he'd been taught and even his own impressions of things. So there were a couple of things in my book that surprised him. And uh, so he went back and cooked and paid close attention and realized that the, the received wisdom about searing meat, for example, to seal in the juices um, just wasn't correct. And that led him to uh, to question everything he'd learned and everything he thought he knew. And I think that's part of the reason he has had the success he has, is that he's he's really mastered the the profession in a way that um, many people don't. Has nosedive the potential to kind of seed those kind of developments uh, in the olfactory realm? Well, uh, I hope so. Uh, My hope for nosedive, and I I called it, gave it the subtitle, a field guide to the world's smells. What I would love is for people simply to pay attention to the fact that there are these smells out there and that they tell us something about the way the world works. Pay attention to the smell of compost or the the smell of the warm air coming out of your laptop <laughs> because there's information there about those things, and it's it's fascinating to follow. I did have the opportunity to go to Japan and to participate in a uh, practice that's called, in English translation, uh, incense listening. <laughs> so incense, of course, is something that has a smell. And uh, listening is a term that we use for hearing things, for sounds. And there's this wonderful crossover in the language that's used, listening to incense, because we don't really have the equivalent for smells of the word listening as opposed to hearing. When we hear a sound, we just kind of registered the fact that it's there. When we listen, we pay attention and we get something out of that experience. And so it's the the application of the idea of listening to smells that's the purpose of this practice in Japan. So what they do is they'll take a little bit of incense wood, uh, valuable, highly prized agar wood, for example, which has a, an amazing smell like really like nothing else. And they'll handle it in, in a very careful way. They won't simply burn it. They'll warm it up. And then what you do is you inhale deeply that particular aroma. 
and think about it and register it and pay attention to it and come up with a, a kind of uh, inner representation for what that identity is. And then you move on to a different kind of wood and you register its differences from the other one. And in that way, you cultivate a, an appreciation for these different materials at the same time that you're also... Uh, in a way, uh, realizing our potential as as animals in, in listening to incense, in tasting wine, in paying very close attention to smells in general. Uh, I think what we're doing is exercising an element of our being uh, as animals that generally we don't. And so we we begin to make contact with a part of ourselves that in everyday life we're, we're simply not that aware of. And I think that that enriches our experience. It's not that we have to go around, uh, you know, sniffing the air all the time. But when we think of it, when we notice something worth paying attention to, we know how to stop and pause and sniff and understand what it is that we're experiencing. So the real base question here you know, which we think we understand is, why do some things smell and other things appear to have no odor? Well, for something to smell, it has to be emitting small molecules of itself. And by small, I mean um, molecules, of course, are already very, very small. But uh, molecules can either stick to each other or they can uh, be too heavy to fly off into the air where we can breathe them in and sense them. So it's particular kinds of molecules that we detect as smells. And they're small, and they tend not to be very soluble in water. So if they're in a, in a liquid or in uh, watery cells like the cells of a plant, they don't really like that neighborhood so much chemically speaking, and so they find it easy to liberate themselves, fly off into the air, and that's where we can breathe them in and uh, notice that they're there. And that relationship, we find that then in all sorts of things, that there are molecules which are too big to fly into the air, and then those, other, those molecules that are, are small enough to get there. And the processes between the big molecule and the little molecule are all over our food and drink and perfume. That's right. Living things are made up of large molecules. Um, and so for us to smell living things, and that's where most smells come from, those large molecules have to be converted somehow or other into smaller ones, which we can then pick up. And there are a variety of ways in which that can happen in, uh, in the world. One of them is simply metabolism. Plant and animal uh, tissues are constantly building themselves up and breaking themselves down. The byproducts of that metabolism, some of them are volatile and can fly through the air and we can detect them. Plants also intentionally make small molecules to communicate with each other and to ward off animals or to beckon them to uh, come and pollinate their flowers or take their fruit. And then cooking is a way uh, that we humans have found of breaking down large molecules in foodstuffs to make smaller molecules that um, make foods smell and taste delicious. 
Harold McGee there, and we'll have more from that conversation next time on Culture File.